Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. I meant to um, congratulate Rob earlier and Vince as well on uh, state championship number five for the Falcons, and uh, for the first time a 15-0 and record in, in school history, and a gazillion points, the, the fourth most points scored nationally by a high school team in a season. So uh, congratulations to you guys and, and to that team. And, and also, I meant to mention earlier, too, I, I held this up as if to, to use as a prop that I never referred to. Um, but if, if, you, if you have folks in your life or in your world that don't have email or you don't know, I sent you, I emailed a, a digital copy of this to you this week. If there are maybe some older folks that, that you don't know if they have email or you don't have an email address, there's some postcards on that table. Out in the back, if you want to grab those and send them along, um, that'd be great for next Sunday night. Especially if you have lost friends, we're going to hear the gospel here next Sunday night. So, uh, be a great, great opportunity for you to get them exposed to the gospel in a, in a real practical and relevant way. And as I'm prone to say, around Christmas time, hearts are more sensitive to spiritual things, and so take advantage of that opportunity if there are folks that you know of that don't know Him. So, and try and get them here next Sunday night because they'll come with you at Christmas. And Easter, and maybe other times. We are uh, in this in this series of God's invitation to. Last week we saw the lofty, in the Magi. This week we'll, or next week actually we'll look at the at the at the layman his invitation to the layman. And this week our focus is on the lowly, and um, probably you know at some point in our life, maybe even today, if I ask how many how many of you considered yourself the lowly. There probably a few hands go up because we we all feel that way from time to time, whether that's the reality or not. Um, and it is it is reality sometimes for us just because of life search, uh, situations and circumstances. I've had over the years um, a number of opportunities really to to deliver Christmas baskets of food, gifts, Thanksgiving baskets at Thanksgiving to families who are in need and. And I'll never forget, it's burned, it's seared in my, in my memory, in my consciousness. Um, a number of years ago, a fellow that was uh, attending Cornerstone at that time uh, gave me the name of his grandmother who lived in Sevierville, and, or outside of Sevierville, outside of Pigeon Forge, really. Um, you, you go to Pigeon Forge and hang a left like you're going to Dollywood and just keep going up in the mountains. And she's back there in the middle of nowhere. And the road kind of r- winds around and then the gravel road up to her place, and um, and he gave me direct, pretty good directions, actually. But um, he said, uh, when you get up there, you're going to see several shacks. Just ask for Miss Maddie. Everybody knows where the shack where Miss Maddie lived. And I thought, several shacks, come on. It was a shack. I mean, it was, it was in rough. It, it was, it was, I've never seen anything like that in America. Uh, because I drove up, and, 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 there, and it was as he described. I'm driving up the side of this mountain, the side of this hill, and it's actually fairly steep. And there were shacks that were maybe 15 by 20 or so total, um, built out of the side of out, out of the side of this hill with with four by four posts under the front end, and and the back end was kind of anchored to the side of the hill. And there were metal roofs on all of them, corrugated metal roofs. And and I went in and finally found Miss Maddie's place. And um, he said, "There's a number seven on her. I remember that number. Number seven on her on her 
on her hut there, whatever it is. And so I found the number seven, and I, I go knock on her door, and she comes and answers the door, and um, I have this, this, this box of food for her, and a few gifts, some, some gloves and scarves and things, a few things like that. And, and um, she comes to the door and says, oh, come on in. I, she didn't know me from Adam, didn't, hadn't seen me before. She invites me in, and, and long story short, this, if, if, any, if anybody ever needed a loving on or ever needed a Christmas basket, it was Miss Maddie. Because I, as I sat down, she invited me a seat, and I sat down on a, on a little stool there in, her, in what was the living room of her two-room place. It was a, a living room and kitchen kind of combo, if you can call it a kitchen. It was a hot plate and a sink, basically, was her kitchen. And, uh, uh, and then a bedroom and, uh, and a little tiny bathroom off, off the other side. So I sat down on a stool, and we talked for a while and sang a couple of songs. She sang for me, and I sang a couple of things for her. And, and we had prayer together, and, and, and as, I'm, as I'm there, I'm looking down through the floorboards, and I see the ground, you know, uh, I mean, in the cracks in the floorboards. And, and, and the same thing through the walls. I mean, I, you can see through the side walls. Uh, that, of course, there was no insulation. A few places she had, she had stuffed some newspaper in to try and, you know, keep as warm as she could. But you could see daylight through through the newspaper, and she she heated the place. She had a kerosene heater in her bedroom and a kerosene heater in this living room, and that's how she heated the place. And uh, she did have some wood stacked over over to, to one side, but no place to burn. I don't know where she burned the wood or what she did with the wood. But uh, you know, my my heart was just uh, broken to, to to be able to share with her and, and look at her situation in life. But you know, I, I I shared the gospel with her. I said, "Do you know Jesus as your Savior?" Oh, honey, yes. So she shares with me this story of coming to know Christ as a, as a teenage child. And, and so she starts singing, and, and, and I'm joining singing with her. We're, we're having a good time worshiping the Lord together there on this, in this little shack. And <clears throat> I was drawn to this very thought as I was sharing with her. And, and, and we, I had prayer with her and left. And, and I was drawn to this thought <clears throat> that how much lower can life go for somebody? And she was just as happy as a lark. You could, you, there was no sense of, uh, of pity, of remorse, of, of, of feeling sorry for herself. Of, and she was, by, by my, I guess, uh, best guesstimate, she was probably in her mid-70s, mid to late 70s. Pretty spry, uh, little old gal. And, you know, she was just as happy as she could be. Had a roof overhead. She had a little food to eat. And um, uh, kept her food cold in a... In a, in a cooler, uh, you know, a lift-up lid cooler with some ice in it. Didn't have a refrigerator. And I said, is this food going to be okay? Oh, yeah, it'll be fine. I'll take care of it. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be good. And so I, I left <laughs> thinking, I brought this lady a food basket, but she needs a place to live. She needs some clothes. She needs a refrigerator. She needs a stove. She needs a, she needs a life. <laughs> Yet, as I got back in my car and started driving away, I thought, she's got all, the, she, she don't know that she needs that. In fact, she shared with me as we were, as I, I, I set the, the basket of food down on her little table there. She said, honey, isn't there somebody that needs just more than me? I thought, goodness gracious. So there, there was this, you know, it was just, it was the neatest, neatest trip I've ever had in sharing some food with somebody, a Christmas basket with somebody. Um, but I, I received a tremendous blessing from her sense of, you know, Lord's got this. He's got me. He's got you. You know, all God's children are in his hands. He's got all of this. And, and I came away f- probably far more blessed than she with that encounter. But 
driving back down the gravel road to get to the two lane to get to where I could find my way back out to leave. I thought, is there anybody at a lower place than this, socially speaking? And I thought of the joy in her heart of, of being able to experience the fact that somebody else cared for her and even to the extent that she would be concerned about somebody else. Isn't there somebody else that needs this more than me? She felt unworthy, as many lowly do, uh, many people in low places, whether, whether the low place is spiritual or social or financial. Many people in a low place feel unworthy of, of God's love. They feel unworthy of, of anything material. They feel, feel unworthy of a lot of things. And so I imagine that's probably the, the, the situation or at least the, 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 the mindset of these shepherds in the field that are about to get a visit here from a glorious visit, in fact. Um, and I, so I, my mind went back to, uh, to Miss Maddie this week as I was looking at the scripture and thinking of these guys and thinking of their situation. And it was, it was a low place. Uh, I mean, the, to, to shepherd sheep was a, was a fairly low-grade job. I mean, it was, um, um, you smelled and, and, and it stank. And it was just, just, you know, get on you and you couldn't just get it off. I mean, it was, that was just that kind of lifestyle. And so people didn't want to hang around these folks. I mean, they, they were, they were, you know, dirty by, by, by any standards, even by Middle Eastern standards. But, um, you know, you just, you just disassociated yourself from, from shepherds. It was a necessary job and, and, and one that, that they didn't mind doing many, um, but you just didn't associate with them socially speaking. And so, I imagine their their mindset as as this visit occurs, and so I almost like Miss Maddie of, come on, there's got to be somebody. <laughs> there's, this is an angelic visit. There's got to be somebody more worthy of this visit, more worthy of this announcement than than us. So put yourself in their shoes as we read this, beginning in verse eight of chapter two of Luke. He writes, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Well, this invitation to the lowly, I want us to focus in four different areas here out of this passage. First of all, this invitation is extended where they lived. It's extended where they lived. Look at verse 8. The shepherds were living out in the fields nearby. Much of their life took place in the field. Many of them even ate in the field. Folks would bring food to them because to leave uh, a a, a, field a group of, of lambs, a group of sheep, to leave them alone was, was, was really not good news. I mean, they wandered off into places they shouldn't go, and it created a lot more work for the shepherds. So the shepherds had to pretty much constantly be in the presence of the sheep. And so this is where they lived, and they found themselves oftentimes letting the sheep graze at night, keeping them under cover 
in the heat of the day in, in, a, in, a, in a barn or in a, in a stable and bringing them out at night when it was cooler so they could eat in the fields at night. And the shepherds would, would as well find a, a quiet place to lay or, or, or talk or share with each other while this, this was going on. And this, so this was the norm. It wasn't, it wasn't out, of, out of the norm for them to be grazing at night, for the shepherds to be out there with their sheep at night. This is what they did oftentimes at night, especially in, in, uh, in weather that was more seasonable. So here they are out in the fields nearby. And, and I think because this is where they're doing life, this is where God chose to show up and meet them. And he does that with us. He, he meets us where we are. He meets us in the midst of, of what's going on, in the midst of our life, in the midst of our world, in the midst of what's natural. And he brings something supernatural <clears throat> excuse me, into what's natural, into the normal. If there, were, if there had been a... Um, if, if, if the angel had appeared and had spoken to them in a thunderstorm, for example... Um, I think their takeaway might have been, did we hear what we thought we heard? Was that just, was that, did you get that? Did did I? But he comes in the middle of the night. The angel shows up in the dead of night, no thunderstorm, no nothing, in the norm, in the, in the, in the, out of, out of the, out of what is natural and normal for them and does something supernatural in the midst of that. Why? Well, I believe, and he speaks that way often to us, but he, 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 he grabs us where we are in the middle of a job in the, middle, in the middle of a meal, in the middle of something normal, and brings a thought through our mind by way of the Holy Spirit to, to, to speak to us something about himself, the nature about himself. And he does that so that we'll recognize that it's him. Otherwise, we would explain it away as, ah, that was just, that was, that was a happenstance kind of thing. I, I don't know, I, I didn't get that. But he does that so we'll recognize the supernatural in the midst of the natural, that he shows up in a supernatural way in the midst of something that's going on in the midst of the norm. Why does he do that? He does that to create enough contrast in what's going on and who he is so that we'll listen. And whether he's spoken to you through, I don't know, um, through his word, through conversation with a friend, through a song on, on, on the radio heading down the road, through a, through a television show, through whatever. Regardless of the means that he's spoken to you through, he often, as I said, shows up in the middle of something normal and something that's totally mundane and routine and natural so that there'll be no no question whatsoever, man, that must have been God in our, in our minds. That must have been God that showed up and said and did. And he does that with these guys. He shows up where they live and speaks to them in a supernatural way in the middle of something that's very natural to them, something that they did, something that was very normal to them. Secondly, <clears throat> is he, he extends this, invi- in, this invitation with, with an, an implied response. Look at verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in claws, lying in a manger. Suddenly, <clears throat> a great company and the heavenly host appear with the angels saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace on those whom his favor rests. Now go back to verse 12 with me. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. The implication that you will find them, the angel is laying on them, is it implies a search. It doesn't, it doesn't say, you know, here's what happened and it's over there if you care to go see it. The angel says to him, you'll find such and such. In, in essence, you should go look for it. There should be a search on your part to find what I'm telling you about. It's going to be worth the trip. It's going to be worth your walking away from what's normal, from the mundane, from your natural life, to see something and have an encounter that's supernatural that, that will change you forever. Um, what's the lesson in this? The lesson in this is that as these guys were, and, and you can put yourself in their shoes, this is all the information they were given, you're going to find the baby wrapped in a manger, in cloths in a manger. Well, they knew what a manger was, and they knew where a manger was. 
But that's all the information they had. So here are these shepherds. We don't know how many, at least more than one, but maybe as many as a half a dozen. Walking house to house and houses that were big enough at least to have a stable out back, have some animals, either some sheep or cows or a horse or whatever, some mode of transportation or food source. Houses that were big enough to have stables out in the back, they would go to those houses. And here they go, stable after stable. And they're on the hillsides of Bethlehem, heading down into Bethlehem, looking at stable after stable to see if they can find where this occurs. And so the, this very thing that, that the angels prophesied and told them is happening. Is, is happening. They're going stable to stable to stable in a search for him, in a search to find the description that, that this angel had given them. Well, what's the point here? The point is that, that with an encounter with him, and, the, and these guys were changed from the very moment the angel appeared in the field. Notice that. They got up and left their livelihood. I mean, they left their world. They left their living and walked away from it in the middle of the night and walked away from it to go search stable after stable after stable to find this, this child. What's the point in that? The point in that is this, is an encounter with him will never leave us the same. It will always cause movement. It will always cause change. It will always cause a different focus, a different direction, a different attitude. So if you see someone, if you know someone, maybe someone in your life, in your world, within close sphere of influence of you and for you, if you see someone that professes to know Christ, yet there's never been a change. There's never been an attitude change. There's never been a shift in thinking. There's never been a refocus. There's never been a priority adjustment of any kind. It should be cause for you to start to pray for them. It should be cause for you to start to wonder some things about their faith. Because why? A person who has a genuine encounter with Jesus leaves change. Now, can we get callous from, a, from, from mileage in a, in a, in a dark and, 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 and in a world full of darkness? And yes, we can get callous from that. But our hearts can be drawn back to him by way of his spirit and often are if we'll be open to that. Um, the angel says, here's a sign for you. You're going this is what the babe's going to look like. He's going to be in a manger, going to be wrapped in cloths. And as you go and search for him and go, as you go and search for him, here's what you're going to find. And, and verse 16, 16 tells us they hurried off. In essence, giving no thought to, should we find somebody to watch the sheep while we're gone? I mean, do you think it's, they hurried off. And in essence to say, this is the far, by far the most important thing that's ever happened to us in our world and in our life. We're going to go ahead and, and do what we can to find this child. Um, also, I think it's an important lesson here, too, that the angel didn't grab them, didn't prod them, just told them a story, told them what to expect, and they get up and, verse 16 says, hurried off. What's the lesson in that? God will never force us into finding him. It's always going to, he, he will always encourage. He'll always share. Here's, it's going to be worth the trip. It's going to be worth the journey. It's going to be worth the search. But he'll never push us or force us into becoming who he wants us to be, into finding him, into knowing him more. That's something we're going to have to pursue on our own. Something we're going to have to direct of our own initiative. Thirdly, not only is, was the invitation extended to where they lived and with an implied response, but with a story to tell. Look at verse 16 and 17. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Well, what they had seen, what they had been told met this human desire, we looked at that a little bit last week, to know, to be known, to experience things we've never experienced before, know things we've never known before, and to walk in, in, in places where we never have before. Um, their search was fulfilled, and they told others about it. And as, in essence, that's his design for the gospel. 
That's his design for spreading his word, for spreading the fact that he is God, for, for, for the fact that Christ has come and offers life to us. That's his, that's his, his, his design for the gospel is to experience him and then share him, to experience his presence and then share him with others. And that's exactly what these guys did. In fact, they left so changed, they didn't go back to the sheep initially. They don't go back to sheep. They go, to the, they go into the town and they go into the, and this is in the middle of the night. And they'll go, I can imagine probably waking people up that they knew. Can you imagine what we've just seen? Let me tell you what we've just seen. We were out in the field, and they tell them this story. The angel shows up, and, and, and the glory of the Lord, I mean, it lit up the whole hillside. And so we're there, and we hear this, and we go, and, start, and it, we found just exactly what the angel said. Could this be the one? Could this be the Messiah? Whether these shepherds were, were, were um, spiritual people or not, everybody in and around Bethlehem knew the story of Messiah. Bethlehem was the promised city, and they knew it. Bethlehemians knew it. They knew they were the city of promise. And so everybody around that area knows that. They, they, they've heard the story. Messiah's coming out of us. Messiah's coming out of Bethlehem. Every, every person in and around Bethlehem knew it. So whether these shepherds were spiritual people or not, they knew the story. They'd been told probably from the time they were children on up. So here they are. It's here. He's come. This is the one. This is the one. The angels told us about it. Um, so that, 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 that lesson is, to replicate that story over and over and over again, have you experienced him, then you have a story to tell. If you've experienced his nature, his love, his ways, his mercy, his grace, his love, if you've experienced that, you have a story to tell someone else. Are we telling that story? There are folks in your, your world and in my world who've never, who are in that same search that the shepherds were after, but they've never experienced it, whatever it is to them. Something life-changing, I guess, in essence, is what I'm trying to describe. And in having never experienced it, um, they're, they're searching for him and not even knowing about it. They're searching for him and with no clue that he's the very answer to the thing they've been looking for. And your story is wedged in the middle of that search. And that's why God's placed them in your world and in your sphere of influence and in your circle to share your story with them of your experience with him. Whether it was in a, whether it was in a manger or in a stable beside a manger where it was a, on a youth retreat, whether it was in a revival service, whether it was in, at home, your, your experience of meeting him and having experience with him is the story that needs to be told to the people in your life and in your world. Fourthly, this invitation is extended to celebrate <clears throat> their encounter in worship. There's a common thread here that you'll find from the lofty to the lowly to the layman, that is worship is the common thread. And so they, they experience him here in, in this encounter with him, and, <clears throat> and worship is the response of it. What I want you to see here is that experiencing God and knowing about him are very, very different things. Very different things. Having an encounter with him and experience with him and knowing about him are drastically different things. As I said just a moment ago, these shepherds knew about him. They grew up in and around Bethlehem. They knew the stories. Messiah was coming out of Bethlehem. But they experienced him. They experienced his presence. They experienced his power on the hillside. They experienced his presence in the stable. And that experience changed them. They knew about God. They knew about Messiah already. But the encounter with him changed him. It's a drastically different thing to have an encounter, to have a relationship, than it is to have knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's about. The scripture says that even the demons know that and shudder at the truth, shudder at the thought of they're not in. They know about him, but they don't know him. So, this encounter, this experience, this that's what your friends and my friends need to know about. They need to hear that story in, in your world and an invitation from him, perhaps perhaps through you, 
to encounter him as well. And as I said earlier, your friends and my friends are more ripe around this time of year than at any other time. Um, they encountered both. These guys knew about him and knew him. Uh, they encountered both, and uh, it, it made their experience come alive. Um, what, is, what is extremely difficult is to live a one-dimensional spiritual life and expect an encounter with God consistently. What, I mean, what do I mean by that? This one-dimensional spiritual life is a person who's made the, made the connection, and these, these shepherds did, they made the connection between mind and heart. Because as I said, they had been raised with the history. They just had never had the experience. And so when, 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 they, when, when that came together, when, when the truth of the history, the stories they had been told as kids, came to the, to the, the experience of, of knowing and, and being in the presence of God, not only in the, in the presence of his angels, but in the presence of God in that stable, the mind and the heart came together. That's a powerful thing in your life and in my life when that occurs. Why? Because the scripture over and over and over talks about our worshiping him, which is what they did, in spirit and in truth. That's this, it's this joining of mind and heart. The, the spirit of our heart, the truth in our mind, the, when those two things come together, worship engages like it's never been engaged before. There is, a, there is the sense, and, and, and you perhaps have experienced it, maybe even hopefully here sometimes on Sunday, that you're seeing someone engaged in worship at a level that you're not, and you're wondering, what's the difference between me and them? What's the difference between the, the connection they're having and the experience I'm having? Now, I may be enjoying worship perhaps as much as they are, but they're in a different place. Maybe it's because they're in a different place in life. Uh, their, their circumstances are different. Maybe that's it. Or maybe it's because this is true. They've encountered the truth of God with the experience of God. And so God's word has come alive. His spirit in them and his word in front of them has come alive to where they're seeing and experiencing him in a way in worship that they have never done before. And so that is, these guys, their, their worship was transparent and they worship him. They, they fell down and worship him here when they see him. Um, so they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph, the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word in essence to say, the Messiah has come. And we've, we've seen him, we've experienced him, we've heard about him all our life, but he's come. And, and my, my admonition to you today is transparent worshipers get it. They, they make that connection between mind and heart. They make the connection, and worship is the natural response to that. That's what grows out of that connection of mind and heart. Um, now, it don't always have to be, because worship grows out of this connection, it doesn't always have to be corporate. In fact, probably more often than not, isn't corporate. Um, our, our corporate worship is, you know, Rick does a great job, and I, and I trust you, sense and feel, and, and, and are usher into God's presence, and have the have the sense of freedom to worship however God leads you to worship. Um, but by the same token, I hope this isn't the only experience where you are have an encounter with God. In fact, my preference as your as your pastor, and I know Rick's preference as as a pastor of worship would be that this is the icing and not the cake that the cake occurs someplace else, that the cake occurs on your way to work or the cake occurs in your quiet time at home or the cake occurs uh, you know, at, a, at, 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 at the end of this CD that's in your CD player in your car. Or the, but, but that this, is, this experience corporately is, is something that is, is, is the icing and not the cake. And these guys experience that as well. As when, 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 they're, when they're on the hillside doing what they normally do, here all this shows up, the angels show up. And so... Here they are, and they're not in church at all. And when they go to the stable, they're not in church at all. 
but they're in a holy place. Where? Why? Because that's where God is. He's in the front seat of the car with you, too. He's across the couch from you at home, too. He's in the world wherever you are, too. He's at work with you, too. And so would, would you and I learn, and, and the more transparent we become as worshipers, and the more we connect the dots between the mind and the heart, the spirit and the truth, as these guys did, the more we do that, the less intimidated we are about our surroundings. And the more transparent we are about the truth of God in us, Christ in us, Emmanuel. And so as, this, as we engage him in worship, that becomes a lifestyle to where Sunday is just icing on an already pretty substantial cake. And so as you and I see, see ourselves growing in that direction, we start looking forward even to the private worship, even more than the corporate worship. Why? Because God speaks to us more. It's oftentimes in the private worship than he does the corporate worship. Well, what's the takeaway from all of this? It's this. Each of us find ourselves, sooner or later, each of us will find ourselves in a low place. Now, maybe not like Miss Maddie's situation that I was describing to you, but each of us find ourselves eventually at some point in life in a low place. We will. That's the way life occurs. Whether the low place is relational, whether it's financial, whether it's health-wise, whether it's each of us will find ourselves sooner or later in a low place. Why? Because we experience hurt and we experience pain and we experience loss and we experience rejection. We experience all these kind of things, and they, the, the outgrowth of that is we find ourselves at least circumstantially in a low place. Now, the choice is do we stay in the low place or do we find the visit of God in the low place, visiting us with something to draw us to worship? So each of us find ourselves in a low place, but the truth is, is he meets us where we are just as he did these shepherds. He meets us where we are. For them, it was in the field. For you, it may be, as I said, it may be in your car. It may be. Uh, you know, oftentimes for Leanne and I, it's on, the, it's on a lawnmower. You know, it's on a riding lawnmower with the drone of the, that's where we meet God. Wherever you meet him on a consistent, it may be, as I say, on the drive to work or in, in a quiet place at work or in a quiet place at home or here, hopefully, in a consistent place. But wherever, where it is, wherever it is you meet him, he meets you where you are with the ability and the power to change you forever. Now, as we looked at last week, he met these guys in Persia, in Arabia, with a message that was unique to them, but met them exactly where they are with a message that was unique to, to their, their own life situation. And he meets these guys here in this field, out on, the, out on the hillsides, in their life situation, with a message that's unique to them that only they would get. Now, he does that for you and I. It may be, as I said, it may be through a song, it may be through a conversation, maybe through a message, maybe through anything that, that God wants to use, but he meets us where we are with exactly what we need. Um, and the truth is, the outgrowth of that is, we should never be the same. I mean, these guys were changed. They, they, they're, they're going around town in the middle of the night saying, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what just happened to us. It's going to blow you away. You've heard about Messiah for years. We've heard about it for years. He's here. He's here. In fact, he's down the street in a stable. Come on. Yeah. He's, and this story's told over and over and over. House to house, relationship to relationship. These, these guys likely go to people they know first. And then they probably go to strangers after that, just like you and I would. But they likely go, first of all, to people that they know and tell them, man, you, it's going to blow you away what we've experienced. We were out on the hillside tonight. And they tell them this story. And so you and I, as we've experienced him, as, we, as we've encountered him, as we've walked with him, as he's shown up to do something significant in our life, we have a story to tell. Is that story being told? It needs to be told over and over and over again. And, and sadly, for most of us, once the new wears off, the new smell of, wears off of that experience with him 
We're looking for the next one. And, the, and, the, and, the, and, and, and what needs to be told is the last one. And so if we, if we miss that, we're, we're going to miss oftentimes deep encounters with God that that experience was designed to show us, that, and we missed it because we're looking for the next thing. And he wants us to, to, to kind of stay in and relish where we are to, to the point that I'm not here. Yeah, I'm in the next thing too, but don't miss the rest of this. Don't be so quick to want to escape the situation or escape this, this, this circumstances you're in. And maybe it's hurtful. Maybe it's brought some pain. Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's you're financially in a bad place. And I'm learning, though, the, the lessons about the nature of God and how he shows up in the middle of the mundane, in the middle of the normal, with a word for me, with a bit of hope for me, with a bit of direction for me, with a, with a, with a message for me that to see him in a, in a way that has been less clear before. Man, it's vastly clear right now because he's got my attention. So if we miss that, we're going to miss ways and natures of, of him that we'll never get, never have the opportunity to get again because our mind is so clouded in looking for the next thing and looking for him over there, over here. And he's right in the situation we're in, and we miss him because we're, we're our, our focus is, is not where it needs to be. Well, whether today you find yourself in a low place, and I don't know whether you do or not, but sooner or later you will if, if not today. Sometimes you don't win 15 games. Sometimes you go, you know, you go one in 14. There are some of those kinds of seasons too. And life doesn't, it doesn't work all the time. And it doesn't, we think, you know, I'm a Christian. Shouldn't, shouldn't life kind of fall in place for me? Not here. In fact, take this book and show me where it's supposed to fall in place for you here. It's not. Uh, in fact, it, it describes trouble. This book describes trouble for you and I here. And so, Lest we expect, now, can we walk in victory in the midst of trouble? Sure, we can, and, and don't have time to get into that today. But, but we are, by design, uh, creatures of habit. And if your habit is to see God in a, he never shows up in my life, he never does anything significant for me, he never is real, to, if, that's the, if, if, that's, if that's the home you grew up in, if that's the experience of God that you've had as a child or even as, a, as an adolescent, as an adult, Please, hit, please let the experience, your experience with him, whenever it has occurred, as I say, whether it's a youth retreat or a, a revival or a church service or at home beside your bed, please let that help you re- hit the reset button today and see the things that he wants you to see. You've, you've been an encounter in a, with a holy God in a holy place. We need to be changed because of that. We need to be rearranged, reoriented because of that. And so please don't let your present circumstances define who you are. Please let your encounters with him define who you are and let those stories be the stories that are told. And, and it's okay to, st- to tell stories such that, such as, if they're true, such that, you know, my life isn't working right now real, real, real well. It's not clicking like I would want it to click. I wish my life were more like that or like it was five years ago or like it used to be or like his is. Or It's not clicking for me okay, but you know what? God's still with me. He's still got some design and order to this. I don't see it every day. Some days I do, some days I don't. But he's got some design and order to what's going on, even in the midst of life that looks like it's not working all the time. That story is even more powerful. Why? Because people are experiencing that same thing too. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Why, why, is, why did I lose my job? Why, have I, why am I on, on the verge of, why is my home on the verge of divorce? Or why did my mom and dad divorce? Or why is, why is life kind of stepped in my, in my world and just totally readjusted it? Well, we live in a place that's dominated by the, by the, the master liar, the father of every lie, the scripture says. And he wants us to see the glass half empty all the time. In fact, he wants us to see our relationship with God as insignificant and meaningless and, 
it's okay. We come to church, we feel good a little bit. We head out. That's the, that's the encounter. That's the lifestyle he wants us to see. That's not the lifestyle these guys experienced. That's not what God wants us to experience of him either. You and I have stories of encounters with him that we're keeping to ourselves. And the world, our world, needs to hear them. They need to know them. He's inviting them, perhaps through us, through our, through our story and our own experience, to come to know him. And so as we're willing to tell those stories again and again, he's willing to change hearts again and again in the middle of the mundane, in the middle of the ordinary, in the middle of a low place. He has the power to step in and intervene as only God could do. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.